Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers, and welcome to the latest episode of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Anderson, here with co-host Pete Wall. Pete, it's good to rejoin you this week. How are you, sir? I'm very well, very tired. I've been uh, draining myself physically with all kinds of uh, training and stuff ahead of my next long-distance run, but I promise both you and listeners that I'll stop talking (laughs) about that in about two episodes time once I've completed this ordeal and I can move on with the rest of my life. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I've had an incredible weekend, uh, which we will get to more of later for sure. Uh, I'm still doing my cycling, 150 miles through the 300 now, which again, I make the same promise to you and listeners at home that by the end of September, I will stop talking about how much, how far I'm cycling because I don't want to do any more bloody cycling. Um, So yeah, no, I'm well, Pete. I am well. I said it's good to be back with you. I said I was off last week for reasons that people will probably be aware of and if they're not, we'll get to later. Later. but um yeah excited to be here and excited to uh, excited to fill everyone in of what i've been up to so yeah yeah so we had uh, the last episode that went out number 145 this one 146 of course on episode 145 we had a special guest uh, appearance i would say one time only although she's already been on the show twice and who knows in the future uh the co-host for that <laughs> week with paul away on on duties that he's going to talk about today was my wife uh francesca wall herself and i think she did a really great job so it was great to have her on um obviously we spent an awful lot of time together anyway so the the chat was quite natural so if you haven't checked it out check out 145 but to today's show We have coming up for you a feature review this week of the Jennifer Lopez uh, starring Hustlers um, later on in the show. But before that, as we always do, we're going to run through a couple of other sections. Those are going to precede the feature review and will be the coming attraction section in which we are going to preview the big releases this week. That include um, Rambo Last Blood. You see what they've done there. Uh, clever, isn't it? it? Very clever. It is clever. In addition to the <laughs> James Gray Space Daddy Issues film Ad Astra, that's the big release of this week. Um, before that section as well, we're going to have the popcorn movie section in which we're going to review the films that we've been watching over the last week, if indeed we've squeezed any films in between training and uh, other endeavours. I've got I've got two weeks because I missed last week's show, so nice. that's, helped, that's helped for this. Nice, you've got some <laughs> in the can. And then um, that brings us to this present moment in which we jump into the foyer to talk about film news, basically, and what's been going on in our worlds and the worlds of film in the last week. Um, first up, I wanted to bring to your attention, Paul Anderson, the fact that Breaking Bad has a movie. I think any even marginally interested uh, people here, fans of the show, will know that this is a thing, a real thing, not just an internet hoax, which it seemed to be for a long time. Um, and the news really here is not only that there's a movie release coming later this year, but El Camino, as it's titled, a Breaking Bad movie, suggesting maybe there's going to be more in the future, will get a limited theatrical run as well as release on Netflix. First of all, um, before we talk about the platform stuff, where are you at with your levels of excitement for Breaking Bad? Because you're a pretty big fan of the show, right? Yeah, I do. I love the show. We ended it. I think we had a. Um, if I well, no, I know we had a finale party where everyone bought uh, blue jelly sweets, um, and I think there was a sort of eight or nine of us in my lounge watching the watching the finale. So yeah, and I was a big big Breaking Bad fan. Um, I'm torn as to whether this is a good idea or not because I think for me the the show ended really well, and I don't think you really need to see what happens. To, it follows the story of what happens to Jesse after the end of the finale of the series. Um, 
Yeah, I'm torn because, you know, when you're a fan of something, it's nice to see more. But at some point, these things will always go too far. I really like the end of Breaking Bad. I thought it wrapped up quite nicely. However, this is the original creative team on board writing this. So I, I, I'm torn, to be honest, Pete. Where do you stand on it? Um, yeah, I mean, like you, big fan of the show. It's one of those, though, man. This strange thing happened with me with Breaking Bad where I, well, by the sounds of it, you did too, but like consumed it all so rapidly. And then when they had the spin-off series, Better Call Saul, which has gone on to be a massive hit in its own right. I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I've never watched the show. I maybe watched one episode. Okay. Just- I've seen the first season, which was good, but I just haven't. There's there's so much out there, and I just think for me, Breaking Bad was Breaking Bad, and then I'm done, and I need something else. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. I, I think it's such a difficult thing to sustain, particularly with a show that had such a sort of inbuilt. Uh, well, like a build. Every week was a build. Every week was a sort of jaw on the floor reveal, yeah. gut puncher, yeah, or something like that. Incredibly good at that. And that yeah. can only go on so long before it starts becoming like formulaic or predictable in some way. And it felt like, even I would suggest, towards the very end of the run of the TV show itself, some of the episodes for me didn't hit quite as hard. It didn't work quite as well as earlier earlier episodes having said all that I'd love to go back and watch the series again it's just whether I'll still have an appetite to watch another Breaking Bad product um I mean I guess here then we come to the platform thing because if this was theatrical only um or if this was Netflix only there would be a certain amount of people who would be aggrieved either way with the it sounds like possibility of either do you think that's going to work in the in the film's favour? In so much as like people who are fans of the TV show might naturally gravitate towards Netflix because you can watch it in the same sort of setting. And then people who are purists for seeing things on a big screen will have that opportunity too in certain cities, we should stress. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I think certainly in this country, I think the opportunity to see it on the theatrical screen will be so limited yeah. that I don't think it will have a big impact because I, I would imagine it will be a handful of Curzon cinemas in the same way that Roma was. Um, so it didn't really, Roma didn't even go to the watershed in Bristol, for example, which mm. I think took a lot of people by surprise. So I think it will be such a limited run that whether it has any impact, the state side, I think it might get a slightly wider theatrical release. Um, yeah, it's, I know. I, th- I think it would, yeah, six, sorry, go on. Well, I was just say 68 cities across the States, we're told, um, re a Rolling Stone article, uh, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, all the usual suspects. And of course, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which, you know, would have to put it there. Consider- which would make sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, but we don't, I mean, more good news though, I suppose, on Breaking Bad is that we don't have to wait too long. The release date at the moment is set for October 11th on Netflix. And then the theatrical run, as small as you, you suggest it may be, uh, particularly over over here will be uh, October 11th forward for about probably a, a week let's be honest at that yeah. point yeah no I, I mean what I do what I do like about Netflix is with ten, by the time they drop a trailer for stuff you don't tend to have to wait that long mm. which I actually quite like um, because sometimes I mean if you look at you look at how films films are marketed sometimes I mean uh, Batman versus Superman whatever the end product was I think they started advertising that about three years before it came out yeah like that's and like that like like and at times you just like just put the film out or just don't don't the video games are probably just as even if worse for it to be honest but you just like let 
don't announce something until it's nearly ready because I can't be bothered to wait that long for it. Yeah, I, I'm just going to assume that that's that some somewhere in your mind as you make that point is the uh, uh, Hideo Kojima game Death Stranding because like the, the amount yeah yeah for sure the amount yeah. that we've had drip fed on Death Stranding for what seems like about a decade is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good point because I think you get to the stage where you think no matter what my excitement levels were now I'm just tired of it now just like I don't even know if I want to play yeah, exactly slash yeah. consume slash watch this this thing and also then you risk you risk the um um the problem that the rock has with all of his movies where he just they're just shamelessly over promoted so fast and furious Hobbs and Shaw for example is a prime example we'd seen the whole film in the trailers so mm. yeah so less less is more I think in terms of promotion for it and I think that you know the trailer does an interesting job of hooking you in for El Camino there's another one there's another thing Netflix have just put out which is uh like all the key jesse moments from breaking bad are cut together in one and then it just drops el camino so if you are interested in a quick catch up without having to watch all of breaking bad again netflix have just put something out there that does that for you which was quite kind of them to be honest because i don't have the time between now and then to rewatch all of breaking bad i wish i did i don't think i will have the time so yeah check that out if you do but no i'm i'm quietly confident about el camino to be honest i think it will be it will be it may be end up being superfluous to the rest of the series, but I think it will be entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, and and of course we should mention um, crucially, Vince Gilligan is both writing and and showrunning and producing this. Yeah. This uh, I shouldn't say showrunning as it's a feature, but uh, directing this this outing. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Paul obviously is back as Jesse Pinkman. The cast seems to be fairly under wraps. The IMDb lists three cast members at present. One of them being Aaron Paul. Okay. One of them being Charles Baker, who plays Skinny Pete, who is looking like yeah, he's in the trailer. He's yeah. had a hard life. <laughs> which which makes yeah. sense but yeah <laughs> anyway enough on that we will have a review in due course considering like we were saying we've only got to wait what like a less than a month from now till october the 11th and yeah. roll out on netflix paul i think you might have some more kind of film adjacent news for this week right what have you been up to yourself in the film world i've, I've produced a film Pete. Wow. i've actually gone and done it i know wow. i know uh and what an uh, interesting uh, and exciting and all, all every superlative you can uh, that is out there could apply to the weekend I've just had I'll be honest um yeah just a fascinating experience I've learned so much about filmmaking um in terms of what people's jobs are on set like the the different roles and this is only I mean we had we had around about I haven't totaled up what we've spent on it yet but around about a thousand pound maybe 1200 pound we've spent budget to make this short film um which isn't a lot of money in filmmaking terms um big shout out to all of the cast and crew who basically agreed to work for food and transport so thank you very much to everyone that worked on the film um you are all stars and you yeah you made my first film experience incredible but yeah no i've learned so much and i think because on a film production of this size like although i was producing um there wasn't really a dull moment for me so i know know how to badly use a clapperboard uh, I know there's different there's different ways in which you can use a clapperboard um, I yeah there's just loads of stuff I've learned it's just an incredible experience um, and yeah credit to anyone that gets out there and does it because it is hard work and I think from my role as producer um, the best way I can describe it is most of the producers work will be should be done prior to you getting to set 
So once you get to set, then it's handing over to the director to do the to do the creative side of it. The best way I can describe it is the producer is responsible for everything the audience doesn't see, and the director is responsible for everything the audience does see. Um, I'd say is is a good way of describing the split of responsibility. So no, it was a it was a it was a great experience. Um, well, Paul, I mean, yeah, I, the, I've noticed yeah. um, fairly uh, obviously what you're doing here is skirting around telling us any details of the actual production. Now, the last time this came up on the show, you said, "Well, I can tell you, the film's." <laughs> going to be short and that was the full <laughs> details okay. of your short film can you give listeners like any idea because obviously you don't need to go into blow by blow account of like what the plot of this no this i can give you is, but i what, can what area are yeah, we in no, what I'm, sort of genre are we in so we're kind of in it's the genre is quite hard to pin down there is there is some laughs in it it's kind of set in a very near very sort of near future um in a world where meat has run out um, which, to be fair, I can see us going that way, to be honest. Uh, and you have two teachers, um, one of which, uh, the, the female teacher, Marion, I would say, it's fair to say is a fairly eccentric character. Um, and she is marking papers with her colleague, um, a teacher called Joe. Um, and they kind of have a conversation. They, they become more and more despondent with the, with the pupils, the pupils' work of which they're marking. Um, and it turns out that she does. She is. She's got a job on the side, and she is actually catering a certain kind of meat. But I won't say what meat that is. You may be able to guess. Uh, and the film kind of goes from there. So it's it's quite a tight single location shoot. Um, a lot of the conversation happens. A lot of the film happens over a conversation at the dinner table. We try to keep that interesting by introducing different angles. Um, so it was all shot in one flat, which does make it a lot easier, especially as a first film to work on. Um, but the whole film was shot on iPhone, um, which is a an experiment the director wanted to do. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure he came away thinking he would do a whole film on iPhone again, but I think he saw some benefits to it. Um, it was quite cool because you can put the camera in places you couldn't normally put a camera with the iPhone. Mm. Um, yeah, so well, that was quite interesting. Well, as, so it'll be as interesting we, to see how it looks. But. We previously discussed on the show, like uh, the Steven Soderbergh movie Unsane was shot all on iPhones, um, which is crazy when you see a thing that is then, well, as the short film will be projected onto a cinema sized screen. And you think that it's all come from this pocket size, you know, uh, smartphone. Well, it's, it's bonkers because it, at some point we had like um, the director, Andrew Andrew Harmer, um, who's got a film on Amazon, if you did, so check that out for sure. Um, the Fitzroy, it's an interest, interesting dystopian piece of work shot on a submarine. So that's worth a look if you haven't already. Um, so it's a bit of a plug for his work there. Um, but yeah, so you've got this huge, huge... Um, solid tripod that's obviously designed to take a camera much bigger and then you've just got a little iphone popped into the top of it it's bizarre but then we had like a gimbal thing which is like on a like on a handheld gyroscope so you can put the phone into different angles and that kind of thing so that was very very cool mm. um but yeah i think they they had we had access to a more traditional larger camera with us which i think i'll be honest i think they they might him uh, Andrew and the DOP Amber I think were tempted to to go back to it at certain points in the film but they stuck with the iPhone um, and I think they yeah I think everyone did a great job it was yeah incredible experience and I'm quite excited to do another project so watch this space watch this space nice uh yeah you i could be you, before you know it i could be the second best paul anderson making films <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah to, to hop over uh old ws over there you, you're not gonna have to put yeah. in that yeah. much legwork to be honest um no but, exactly <laughs> but yeah well well all the best with it going forward and obviously we'll no, keep tabs obviously at... once it's once it's done i will i will share it all over the, the strangers social media page for sure um so you can have an idea and yeah it will what will be weird as well is obviously once it's out there uh, obviously we've spent how many years on this podcast criticizing other people's work so uh yeah whether, the, whether the knives to are be fair 
and praising it to be fair yeah but whether the knives are out for a, a critic's first film will be interesting to see so yeah oh they will be i'm gonna rip it to shreds <laughs> But yeah, yes, no, thanks, looking forward to it. In <laughs> fact, I'm, I was playing dumb a little bit. I had the chance, you sent over the um, script for this project and so I had a chance to read the script. So that's cool because it gave me like an insight into the, the territory. Although it's so difficult, even from reading a full script, albeit this time for a, for a short film, but reading a full script, you still don't know how this thing's going to look, how it's going to come out and how, you know, what kind of feel you're going to get through the work of the well, actors no, the, and all the, the people on set. So yeah, I'll yeah, be the process. Too. The process is interesting. The process was was fascinating it's weird to bring that up because i'd seen the scripts and myself and andrew um the director we've co-funded the project and we've been trying to put something together for a while now and he came up he had a number of scripts um available to him and we picked this one and then um mainly andrew but some with some bin but to myself we've been kind of developing the script to trim it down to to a short film format because i believe it was originally a play um so yeah, it's been fascinating, and and then um, Anne Sophie, who wrote this film, also is the female lead in this. So it wasn't really until I saw her and um, her and Tom, who's the male lead in the film, they did a video run through of the script, basically sat at the table where it was going to be filmed. It wasn't until I saw that that the film really took shape for me, and I could see the direction it was going in. So yeah, no, it's a it's a fascinating process, and it's just an incredible eye opener as to what the work that goes into these films. I mean, we're looking aiming for about eight to ten minutes, and that was two. I'd say two 11 hour days of, of solid shooting. So yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into these things for sure, but no, a great experience. And yeah, fingers crossed. I will ho- hopefully get to do it again. So very excited. Nice. Very excited. Nice. Watch this space. So that wraps up news for this week on the show, the in the foyer section, which means that we'll be back in just a moment with a section of the show that we call popcorn movies right after this. So yeah, popcorn movies. Um, as I said earlier, I've had two weeks worth of films, thankfully, because I haven't had a chance to watch many. Um, so yeah, uh, I've got enough to pick from. Um, I'm going to go with, if you don't mind me opening Pete on this one, I'm going to go with, I'm going to talk about two films here, because I watched um, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame back to back. Oh, jeez. Um, keep it keep I it did. trim. That's about 13 <laughs> hours of film, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, not too far off to be honest so yeah Infinity War and Endgame back to back is interesting obviously two massive Marvel films um, Infinity I'll start with Infinity War Infinity War is a film for me Pete that just improves every time I watch it like I I cannot record I just I have more and more love for this film every time I put it on I just think it's it's an absolutely relentless action epic that just is just so much film all of the time that in terms of sheer Hollywood spectacle, I think is is just one of the finest examples of it. Um, I think it's kind of the peak for me in terms of a lot of the, the individual characters' performance, um, in terms of Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic in this, Chris Evans is great in this. I think every, everyone's incredible in this. You can tell like the MCU has been a labor of love for these guys and whatever you think of it and whatever you think of how, how you know whether it's killing cinema or not whether there's too many superhero films this for me is the MCU at its absolute finest i just think it's it's exactly what it should be doing it's huge bombast there's heart to it there's decent performances and i think it's all i think a big part of this film's success for me is Josh Brolin as Thanos the villain is fantastic because he's not Marvel's weakness generally is in my opinion has been their villains quite a lot of the time probably with the exception of Thanos and Loki to be fair um 
but you kind of end up rooting for him on this. He's a villain with heart. He's got motivations. You kind of understand why he's doing what he's trying to do, and it's just a superb performance. And I just, yeah, as a, as a piece of as a piece of Hollywood spectacle, like that's that should be the bar for every Marvel film, in my opinion. I think Infinity War is is superb and improves on every viewing. So that then led me to Endgame. Uh, which is technically Infinity War Part 2, I guess, because they do pick up from each other. I think Endgame's too long, Pete. I mean, you probably... I, They're all too long, you, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. Endgame, Endgame runs three hours, so it runs it runs a bit longer than Infinity War. Um, I think the last hour of Endgame is incredible, and I think in, I was talking about the scale of Infinity War. If possible, Endgame even ups that again in terms of its huge huge on-screen battle between Thanos's army and all the superheroes um, that come back I do think the time travel bits are a little bit clumsy uh, at times and slightly too long I don't think Endgame needs to be three hours long and I think I'm disappointed that we don't get we get like a because of the time jumping around you get a different version of Thanos here which for me isn't as interesting as the character in the first film which I think is a bit of a shame he seems to become a more sort of one note world conquering behemoth which is great which is fine don't dislike Endgame. I think it's. I still think it's one of the better um, MCU films, but I don't think it's quite as good as Infinity War. And that is the last time I promise I will talk about uh, Infinity War and Endgame on this podcast. Well, th- I mean, don't <laughs> pledge that too Maybe. soon. We yeah. we do top fives on the show, so you might need to pull it out again. But yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the consideration. <laughs> um, so I've got um, for this week's popcorn movies. First of all. Um, from out of left field, Chain Reaction, Paul. Do you know about Chain Reaction from 1996? Is this the Sandra Bullock film? The, this is a film with Rachel Weisz, not Sandra Bullock. Rachel Weisz? Rachel Weisz and Keanu oh, okay. Reeves. Uh, starring... It is the film I'm thinking of. I just thought it was Sandra Bullock for some reason. but Yeah, Ra- Rachel Weisz and, and Keanu Reeves star alongside Morgan Freeman in this movie about, uh, well, <laughs> sort of, about researchers in a green alternative energy project who are on the put on the run when they're framed for murder and treason. Um, Essentially, Keanu Reeves is a scientist. First of all, I'm really going to have to suspend my disbelief for the 90, 90, 100 (laughs) minutes of this movie as soon as I learn that information. Uh, Then, yeah, you've got this sort of prescient eco-protection message at the beginning of the film. And I was thinking, like, this is sort of powerful because this comes from 1996. And now we're, you know, racked by all of these issues in Mm. the modern world about needing to cut down carbon emissions and save our planet and so on. But then I thought, this has a certain feel to it. What's a a film that you'd see around the mid-90s or a, a small subgenre of films where there'd be a powerful, really rather like hand-wringing environmental message amidst a bombastic, like kicking people in the balls action film. Oh, that's right. All Steven Seagal's films. Because the director here, <laughs> uh, Andrew Davis, is a vet of the Steven Seagal action film. So I think oh, there's uh, on a deadly, bit of... On Deadly Ground, that kind of stuff. I yeah, bet, I think yeah. that was, yeah. That kind of thing where Seagal will always give like a monologue at the end of the movie about the way that we're doing everything <laughs> wrong and we need to love each other and, and protect the, the planet and each other. Yeah, so Chain Reaction, it's very silly. I mean, you've got early on this explosion that happens. Basically, the group of scientists find a way to make sustainable, uh, non-polluting energy that is going to completely change and, let's be honest, save the planet. And then they basically go like, hooray, we found the solution. They all get hammered 
And then they all go off home, giving the bad guys time to get into the plant, cause this explosive chain reaction that then puts them in the spotlight, uh, Keanu and, and, and Rachel, as potential sort of enemies of the state who have, have orchestrated this attack on the United States. Um, yeah, it's daft. It also um, reminded me that Keanu Reeves has really weird running. When, when Keanu Reeves runs, it looks like his sort of ankles are dislocated. Like his legs are quite floppy. It's a very strange <laughs> form that he's got. And he does an awful lot of running here. Um, a lot, awful lot of running away from explosions that then occur in sort of slow motion with, with sort of quite bad uh, CGI. Or it was the 90s, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the, uh, yeah, the 90s and sort of running over budget, I think. But yeah, uh, Chain Reaction is it, sort of entertaining. Um, I, I watched it because I taped it off the sci-fi channel. So that sort of speaks for itself. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a bit, a bit of a completist when it comes to some of my, you know, favourite actors. Not that ne necessarily Keanu goes into that category in terms of quality all the time, but at least in terms of affection. And then Rachel Weiss here must be all of, 23 or something and and uh, sort of angelic uh in this movie so it's interesting morgan freeman i mean you forget that morgan freeman's a man in his 80s so even here i think he's 60 odd years old um with that same iconic voice so there are things to like about chain reaction but it is daft and it could essentially be a steven seagal movie um so yeah make of that what you will uh, have you got anything else to add because you put those two mcu films together i have no there is there is something i wanted to add so i don't know if any, i probably should have put this in film news to be honest so um uh, everyone's favorite director of um films colin trevorrow um has put out a short film on to youtube and you think oh maybe this will be some sort of some low budget indie short film uh similar to what i made at the weekend pete uh it's not it's a short film uh based in the jurassic world universe pete i don't know if you've caught up with this yet no. or are aware of his existence called battle at big rock um so basically it's it's kind of it's an eight minute it's kind of like an eight minute set piece um to be fair kind of setting up i think setting up the direction of where the ne next jurassic world film will go um it doesn't really add much new to what we haven't seen before but it's got a proper budget behind it which is kind of cool um it's basically there's a battle between two um dinosaurs in a in like a large caravan park um and allosaurus turns up um and overturns it overturns something with its head and then there's people stuck there's people stuck in a caravan which is you know quite similar to set pieces we've seen before in the Jurassic Park franchise but uh yeah and then it rolls on and then in the credits you've got some skits of, like with dinosaurs causing chaos like following on from Fallen Kingdom um to be honest Pete I think I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom combined <laughs> mm. so um yeah it's quite punchy it's it it kind of it takes it back it's, yeah it's it's just a, a punchy nice eight minutes of pure entertainment really with some great cgi um yeah and it, it was pretty cool um and it's i'm still very very dubious that the next jurassic park film will be any good i think the, the bigger the problems i have with the jurassic world film sorry the next jurassic world film the problems i have with the jurassic world films are generally colin trevorrow's insane writing and terrible terrible story ideas so uh, i'm not convinced the third one will be any good but this for me was better than the other two you can find it on youtube at the moment if you want to get your fix of big dinosaurs destroying things and only have eight minutes to spare battle at big rock is on youtube now yeah, well, it's a great contrast you've got there because you've got two massive MCU films and then a film that you can fit into 10 minutes of your life. I'm going to try and emulate yeah. your your contrast because I'll go from <laughs> dumb chain reaction with Keanu Reeves to my other choice for popcorn movies this week, which is a documentary currently streaming uh, on Netflix. It went up, I think, around a week ago called Evelyn uh, from 2018. Okay. Uh, Evelyn is uh, a bit of a, a, a rough watch. It is... The filmmaker Orlando von Eisidel, 
uh, if I've got his name right, who is known for producing like um, documentary films in war-torn uh, parts of the world, in addition to the uh, environmental protection documentary Virunga, which was about protecting endangered gorillas. But here, what yeah. Orlando does is he sets out to turn the camera on himself uh, as he goes on a sort of pilgrimage across Britain with members of his family 13 years after the passing of his younger brother who developed schizophrenia at age 18 and took his own life at age 22 and it's the film director who who um, both wrote and, and directed this project it's his attempt to allow his family to actually open up and talk about their uh, lost uh, relative to talk about mental health to talk about the end of his life and the memories of him in a way that they haven't for different reasons personal reasons they haven't been able to do for that 13 year period because it was just too painful too raw too difficult or even in some cases maybe for some people too taboo particularly when it comes to the um father who is a, a german man i mean von einsiedel uh this family doesn't sound like your run-of-the-mill, you know, working-class uh, uh, mm. British family. And indeed, they're not. They're the descendants of the von Bismarcks, I believe. Um, and okay. the German side of the family comes from a, a lot of money, but the parents are separated now. So he pulls together different family members and they each take walks sort of separately. So he's got his mum on one walk, but then his dad on a different walk. Um, he brings along old school friends of his brother, Evelyn, uh, the name of his brother, uh, on another one of the walks, and they all add something to this uh, evolving discussion about what actually happened to them and how they're processing it and how they have been processing it. it it's an honourable project. I think anything that encourages the general public to talk about mental health is, is incredibly valuable, and I think this will do that. Um, for me personally, I thought that this would be something that like um, Kingdom of Us that I like so much and reviewed on the show and a very difficult watch uh, another film that deals with documentary that deals with mental health and, and suicide ultimately suicide uh, I thought that this would sort of impact me more than it did and I think the reason that it maybe didn't quite quite hit me as hard as I had expected is because a lot of the film is beautiful countryside the filmmakers talented when it comes to shooting vistas and shooting uh, rolling hills and the, these places that they ramble and and talk there's a lot of hugging there's a lot of crying there's a lot of i wish we talked about this sooner but what there isn't so much of i felt is real insight into who this guy was into how mental health and um, and yeah specifically suicide has affected them personally in terms of their own outlook and sort of an existential grasp of what it is to be alive and what it is to deal with mm. the possibility of of not only death but you know self-inflicted death and I thought that the filmmaker sometimes balked at going deeper in that way and I mean I would say the star of the documentary if such a thing could exist in you know such somber territory is a friend a school friend of Evelyn called Leon who is this really athletic sort of tough looking guy who's the one who pins the filmmaker down at one point and says how do you have the right to make documentaries about people in difficult parts, you know, difficult situations and, and war-torn parts of the world who are dealing with their situations when you're so unprepared to deal with your own? You're not opening up, you're not talking openly, and you're, you're just posing questions to everybody else. 
And he does a great job of doing what the filmmaker has sort of failed to do throughout his own documentary. Um, so, yeah, e e Evelyn, it, it's, I, I, I don't like really the description. It's an important film, but in a sense, I guess it is an important film. I think, um, like I say, that it serves some purpose in terms of hopefully getting some other people to to open up and talk to their families and, and, and be more open particularly the british we know um we're a race that that needs to talk to each other uh, about things that matter a great deal more than we possibly do i don't know that the film entirely succeeds in lifting the lid on the stigma around mental health and suicide but that's you know a big big task for anyone even a, a filmmaker as accomplished as as this guy so um yeah uh, check it out it's on netflix it's streaming now and that um on that that slightly somber note brings us to the end of popcorn movies which means paul that we, of course, will be back in just a moment with the section of the show that we know as Coming Attractions, right after this. Yeah, Coming Attractions is the section of the show where we talk about films that are out this week that we were excited about. Um, Pete, what have we got this week on the agenda? Well, I believe 50% of us have already had an opportunity to see this one, but the big release coming this week, actually out this week if we're, we're open about it, uh, released yesterday at time of recording, uh, is Ad Astra from director James Gray. People will remember from The Lost City of Zed a couple of years back. This one stars Brad Pitt as uh, astronaut Roy McBride, who undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. Um, alongside Mr. Pitt, we have, as I just desperately scanned down to our cast, uh, we have Liv Tyler, we have Ruth Negger, we have uh, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Donald Sutherland, amongst others. Um, I, for one, and I think you for two, Paul, pretty high on this when it came to previewing films that were going to be released in the remainder of the year, which we did what, like a month or so ago on one of the episodes. Um, not only because James Gray is, I think, a director that I quite like, but also because anything that deals with sort of connecting with people across time and space is going to probably uh, have <laughs> me on the hook. Now, it's difficult for you to preview this because you kind of already seen it. <laughs> yeah, I see it. I saw it yesterday. Yes. Um, but, but maybe you can give just like a little preview of what to expect without giving away anything about, you know, obviously the outcomes in this film. Oh, that's a, that is a tough one. Uh, a little preview of what to expect. Visually, uh, uh, well, all I'll say is visually it's incredible. And I won't say much more than that. Uh, in terms in terms of what to expect here, if you do want to know, if you really are desperate to know what I think, then just go on Letterboxd because I have reviewed it on there. So that's probably a way around. Then you don't have to listen to next week's show. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't co-sign on that idea. Yes, you do, because yeah. that that review on Letterboxd is going to pale into insignificance when it comes to the discussion yes. that we have. The yeah, fulsome absolutely. discussion. Yeah. Oh, for on this sure. Show. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to the as opposed to the single paragraph that exists on Letterbox at the moment. Uh, yeah, so no, I'm yeah, absolutely. It's very difficult to preview something that I've already seen. Um, but I would say that I would say that in my experience, in my experience of it, uh, on first viewing at least, 
most of my excitement was justified. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, when I get the chance, which will be probably tomorrow, uh, to see this one, to see where it fits in the sort of pantheon of things like um, Interstellar and Gravity that we've reviewed on the show not so long ago. Uh, Things that deal with the connections of Earth to space and and individuals Mm. to individuals across space and time, as we say. So, yeah, Ad Astra, um, get back to the show next week for a full review of that one from the two of us. In addition, then... Well, three of us. James Ewan will be back on Yes, sorry so, yes, to, to mention. Three of us. Yeah. yeah, James Ewan, who was on for the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, uh, will be coming back on the show. Um, and he's always a, a guy full of insight. So that's to look forward to next week. We've also got um, on release this week Rambo Last Blood, uh, where a, what are we now, septuagenarian man is going to act all macho and uh, shoot stuff. Uh, yeah, trying to squeeze just a couple more drops of milk out of this particular cash cow uh, alongside uh, Paz Vega, amongst others. Paul, do you care? Did you see? I don't know if, if I don't know if you saw me the yawn then. The yawn then that was just complete coincidence. Pretty much sums up how I feel. To be honest, I, I mean, I will see this. We probably will review it next week. Because well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, I will probably see it. I guess. I just, I do, it frustrates me because I don't think Stallone understands what was good about Rambo First Blood. Like, I don't think he gets it. Like Rambo First Blood, or First Blood, as it was called then, is a fantastic Vietnam film. Like it's an incredible film. It works on many, many different levels. Well, it works on two different levels. It's a fantastic, fantastic allegory for Vietnam. It's a great film that exposes the treatment of Vietnam vets when they came back from it, and it does have some pretty cracking action set pieces. I'll give it that much. But that. That is that film. The sequels uh, just is it shows a crass misunderstanding of what the first film was about, and I can't see this one being any different. In all honesty, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I don't usually mean to set things up giving away so fully how I feel about it, but um, yeah, it currently sitting on thirty eight percent on Metacritic for what it's worth. Um, I just, I just can't. I just don't think now's the time for like an old white guy to come out and say like, "Oh, now I've got to use my combat skills one more time." No, you don't. No, you don't. Let it go. Let it live. Let it be the film that you remember and many remember, Paul, from from you know your childhood and your past, and, and, and just let it be. But obviously, this will take a boatload of money because people recognise the name and they want to go and see an action film and see people get shot for no discernible reason. So, um, yeah, like you said, we may or may not have a review on the show, but that's Rambo: Last Blood out this week. Uh, another one that's going to have a little uh, bit of violence included, I would expect, is a film out this week called Three from Hell. This one is from director Rob Zombie who likes a killing doesn't he Paul um Rob Zombie he does is this the third in is this the third in the series of House of Thousand and Corpses the and Devil's Rejects what, yeah the other, whatever that's the other one right it Devil's is running off that it. bloody yeah. uh literally bloody trilogy uh bloody mess sherry moon zombies in this (laughs) of course she is the partner of rob zombie i mean i don't know man i i was like really um uh young (laughs) i I guess the way to finish that but yeah really young and really high on um this house of a thousand corpses and devil's (laughs) rejects although i hate the ending of that movie and i know lots of people praise it i think it's awful that slow motion free bird section never mind but um, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. I, I, by this point I'm in my mid thirties, Paul, as you're well aware, and I'm not sure that I care about Rob Zombie's films anymore. Um, but I'll give it a chance. I'll definitely give it a chance. It might not 
be that I'll give it a chance at the cinema. It depends whether we get a release close to where I am, to be perfectly honest. But this feels like one that I'd happily wait and, and watch on sort of streaming or at home. How do you feel about rounding off this trilogy? I think I, I haven't seen a Rob Zombie film for many a year now, so I think it will probably how, my keenness on this will I probably will rewatch the first two in the series and then make a judgment call based on that because I think at the time just like oh my god isn't he edgy look how gory his films are and you kind of buy into that and, and whether or not I would look back now and watch those again and think he's got any technical craft I Damn. don't know is the honest answer to that because I, I really struggled with his Halloween remake I think it had some good ideas I just think it was very very clumsily put together so uh, yeah I'll be intrigued to see whether I think he's got any craft to him or not or whether he's just gone oh look I'm making uh, like gory exploitation films yeah. so we shall see uh, and I am an exploitation fan don't get me wrong um, but I think that genre is kind of if you look at stuff like revenge or that kind of thing I think that genre is kind of and to, to an extent what Gaspar Noe is doing that kind of stuff and that genre is kind of leveled up possibly to a level above of above what Rob Zombie's capable yeah, of. Yeah, I was trying to find the, the name of the thing that I wanted to talk about and I found it now. The last Rob Zombie that I saw, uh, which was his last feature, was the film 31 and I just thought it was garbage. I reviewed it on this, I think, in Popcorn Movies. Like, I just come on man i don't know there's there's a lot of you know imdb commenters who are 15 or whatever probably high on that movie but yeah i it didn't fill me with confidence for stuff going forward but we'll see you know we'll see man and if it's worth it anything then we'll we'll obviously have a review on the show uh lastly for this week to round off the previews we've got diego maradona which is as you might guess a documentary about diego maradona uh, this is compiled from, a, I'm <laughs> told, over 500 hours of never-before-seen footage. Um, it centres on the career of the celebrated football player Diego Maradona, who played for Napoli, Argentina and many other clubs, but also had his off-the-field exploits, not least like in the old iron filings. Um, yeah, I, I'll watch this. I'm not sure you will. I think that's the easiest way to preview it. Is this Asif Kapoor directed? Uh, yeah, this? that's right. Yeah, so I think I made a comment the other day. I think I was sitting in the pub talking to someone about films. Like, have you seen Amy? I'm just like, no. Have you seen Senna? I'm like, no. And then they were like, why not? And I'm like, because Asif Kapoor, Asif Kapoor always makes documentaries about people that I don't just, care just about. Just to give... Like, it's not, I'm, not, I'm sure they're great, they're great documentaries, but it's just people I no, don't care about too strong, but yeah, not interested in personally. I, um, I should, I should maybe say... Maybe I on, should. On Asif's behalf, this is Asif Kapadia rather than Kapoor, um, surname-wise. But but yeah, like, I, I feel you. I mean, I, f I felt like when Senna released, I thought, well... I haven't cared about Formula One or I hadn't cared about Formula One since I was about 14 years old. But then that movie reduced me to tears. I just thought it was fantastically well made. Having said, having said that, I still haven't caught up with Amy. And there's part of me that just doesn't want to because I, I felt like the... the the use of a subject like Senna was so interesting because, you know, you had this, um, the, these bitter rivalries on the track and sort of the, the pursuit of like human perfection and pushing yourself to the limit and that thing gone too far. And then we've got a film about uh, sort of another tragic figure who pushed themselves to the very limit and, you know, over the line. And I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm completely comfortable with a documentary filmmaker just making films about people who push themselves to the limit and possibly pass the limit having said that he's made a documentary about Maradona who at the time of recording isn't dead so um yeah I mean 
hopefully yeah. <laughs> for Maradona's sake, that doesn't bode anything too badly for, for him in the coming weeks and months. But yeah, uh, anyway, Diego Maradona releases uh, this week, as we said, and it should be interesting for football fans and also maybe for non-football fans, given the director's previous work, but that remains to be seen. Maybe I'll give Sanna a go then, in fairness. Maybe I should. I mean, I should. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doubt, like it, I sounded flippant then. I'm not doubting the quality of these films. If you look at how well they're reviewed, it's just when I'm... Generally speaking, if I'm picking a documentary, I would normally pick something that kind of yeah. that I have a semi-interest in the subject matter about. Ultimately, a good documentary, in fairness, that's probably just me being a little bit narrow-minded, to be honest, because ultimately a good documentary should be able to make you interested in any topic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, some some of the best ones, I think, do. I mean, I don't know if you remember that documentary, I don't know if you saw that documentary called uh, Murder Ball, which is about wheelchair basketball. No, I've not quite it was- I've heard good things, though. Right, it's a subject that I knew nothing about and had no pre-existing interest in. But then, again, there's a documentary so well made that by the end of it, you want to talk to people about wheelchair yeah. basketball, <laughs> which is a real credit to the, to the filmmaker. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if Maradona does that. But I would say, yeah, Senna, if, if nothing else, is the one to, to see. The one that we have seen, though, Paul Anderson, is the film that we are going to feature review today. So let's not waste any more time. Right after this break, we will be back to give a full-blooded review of the new Jennifer Lopez film, Hustlers, which is better than that sounds as a lead-in right after this. So, yeah, here we are with a review of Hustlers. Now, what I want to... I want to get this out of the way, right, straight up, because I know someone will, someone will listen back to a previous show and go... Do you remember that previous show where you talked about coming attractions? And Pete, Pete asked you, Paul, uh, what you thought of it, and you basically just dismissed it with one word, uh, because you mentioned the words Jennifer Lopez, Cardi B, strippers, and at that point I just went, no, I'm out. Um, so I want to say, I want to hold my hands up now before we get to the bulk of the review, before Pete even sets up the film. I'm sorry I was wrong to discount this film. I've held my hands up. There we go. Right, with that out of the way, Pete, set this one up. <laughs> So this one, Hustlers, is uh, from director Lorenz Scafaria and inspired by a viral New York magazine article that detailed the way in which a group of uh, strippers who had been hit in the pocket, um, if that's the right way to put it when you're talking about strippers, I don't know, hit in the G-string by uh, the 2008 financial crash, went about trying to eke out a living and then a very good living from essentially ripping off Wall Street clients through various means, including sort of drugging them and taking their platinum cards and rinsing them dry for all the money that they could possibly get. And the rise and eventual, um, I would suggest, slight fall of this group of determined, um, independent and self-sufficient women. In this film, those women are played by Jennifer Lopez, as previously mentioned, alongside Constance Wu, who was such a breakout star from Crazy Rich Asians. We've also got in the group, um, oh, I should be clear about, uh, oh, Mete Towley, who's not an actress I know well. Uh, yeah, a few actresses here on the periphery of this group who I just am not familiar with and then Cardi B was a big name coming in although Cardi B features very little in the film she's on uh, in early scenes and and nothing else Um, before we get into our full thoughts on Hustlers and where we stand on all of this stuff including the story itself and the rise of these people here's a little clip hey uh, these are my sisters 
So, yeah, as I said earlier, my expectations for this were in the bin, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, Jennifer Lopez, I don't think, has made great films or great career choices possibly for quite a few years now. Um, in all honesty, I think looking, you've got to go back to stuff like Out of Sight, I think, for me. If I can, if that is, would that be fair to say to go back as far as out of sight, Pete, yeah. for the last sort of sort of truly memorable yeah. Jennifer Lopez performance, and that was it. it really would. I, I think ago? so. Like, I... It's, a, it's a long time ago. Out of sight came out, if not longer than that, to be fair. Um, yeah, go go back even further, and you find the the indispensable money train with Wesley Snipes. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's been a minute. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is a great way to start off, right? Because you say, oh, the new Jennifer Lopez movie is our feature review of the week. And you think, what has happened to this program? We've, <laughs> we've, we've lost the plot. Um, but then you see, you know, who else is involved, particularly Constance Wu, who's such a hot commodity in Hollywood at the moment. And you think, like, there might be something here. And then there was buzz around this film and then there were early good reviews and then there were respected people saying that this was a real, you know, breakout hit and award-worthy and all that kind of stuff. And you think, like, okay, maybe we need to pay attention. Um, and then I hear, as a counter to that, well, this whole story is based off a magazine article, which is the kind of thing that makes me think, like, oh, you know, do we need a feature film that, that it comes from such a, a small amount of material? Mm. And um, the, the film... Uh, I've set it up a little bit, but just to say that another person on the cast list who isn't a, one of the central group here is Julia Stiles, who again is an actress who you maybe hark back to like 90s material to think of Julia Stiles films that stand out in your yeah. mind, 10 Things I Hate About You and stuff like that. But here she plays the journalist who actually wrote the story on the women, that journalist, Jessica Pressler. Um, and she is interviewing each of the women in cutaway sequences and then we're jumping back into the action so this is sort of a framing device for the film she asked them questions how was it how was your relationship how did you come to do the things that you did and then we jump back into the action that occurs in genesis from a time somewhere in the early 2000s i think around 2001 we meet constance Wu, we meet jennifer lopez they form a sort of bond there uh constance Wu's character is a novice at the strip club she's trying to learn how to work the pole she's trying to learn how to have destiny confidence. i think it was Des destiny and ramona i think are their names respectively only because i saw this yesterday good, so good pull <laughs> yeah. yeah and then and then jennifer lopez here is this um veteran of that club who's been there from her her own omission since the early 90s you think that how can that possibly be true and then you realize the actress jennifer lopez is five zero fifty years of age which is incredible when you see what she looks like in this movie but uh yeah she sort of takes for uh constance Wu's character under her wing and then we jump forward gradually until we get to this pivotal moment in 2008 where everything goes to shit in terms of the markets across the world but particularly wall street and in america and the way in which the girls here then go from living what is a pretty decent life you know um 
all things considered, I mean, dependent on your view of, of working in that industry, I suppose people will come to this with their own prejudices and, and predispositions, but then they're found, they find that they have to become a lot more creative to make ends meet because you've got men here who are not willing to spend money in the club anymore, who are going to treat the women worse, who are going to be more disrespectful and they're going to pay less for the privilege of doing so. Um, women are getting into situations where they are offering services that are certainly not on the menu of the club, in private, hush hush, don't talk about it behind the scenes. And it's all a little bit desperate until Jennifer Lopez character says, hey, there's another way. What if we were able to put these guys in a position where they're not able to really think coherently and we could take from them what we want to take from them and the way that they try and take from us and reset the balance somewhat in a sort of Robin Hood fashion? Um, I've done a lot of setting up, Paul. What are your first thoughts or what were your first thoughts? Not only you've mentioned coming into the movie, but as this thing got going, did it whip you up into sort of a, a feeling of sort of camaraderie and, and, and kinship with these women? Did you feel that they were doing something that was morally bankrupt? I mean, where did you stand on the actual arc? I think the, arc the, of the, op- the opening of the film, um, the kind of sort of 15, 20 minutes we spent in the strip club whipped me up into something, I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, no, I thought, uh, yeah, I think for me, the opening, it's a, a joke, but I, for me, I thought the opening ran a touch too long. Um, I think this could have been a slightly tighter film than it was. I think we'd probably do with trimming sort of 10 or 15 minutes off of this. And I think it would have been a slightly tighter film, especially the setup. I just think, I think for me, we didn't need that much uh, sort of gratuitous scenes in the strip club at the beginning. I don't think it served any, I don't think it needed to be quite that long. Um, I get that they were setting the scene, but... I would only push back on that in that the, the environment of the movie is a strip club. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I mean how I, gratuitous I, I say, can you be? Probably gratuitous is probably the wrong word. To be fair, I just thought for me the setup was too long. I will, I will retract the word gratuitous and say I think the setup was too long for me. It spent a bit too much time setting up the characters. It spent a bit too much time setting up kind of Ramona, which is Jennifer Lopez's character, as the, the matriarch. And I thought there were there's certain moments where oh look how nice everyone is behind the scenes of a strip club that felt a little bit on the nose for me and it didn't it wasn't 100% convincing um that being said once the film did get going I was hook line and sinker into this plot like and the and the way they kind of slowly escalate as you mentioned the way they kind of slowly escalated the the way they were um the way they were taking down these guys and taking their money I think that escalated well I think the the cutaways the the cutaways to um the interviews I think worked fantastically well um and especially some of the stuff with constant woo where you see her genuinely sort of emotionally affected by some of the things that have happened to her I think that added some much needed gravitas to this which otherwise could have been I mean for the most part is it is a high energy high energy heist film but there is there's added emotional weight to it I think for sure and that a lot of that is down to the Julia Stiles led interview segments which I think work really really well so um no I've got I had a surprising amount of time for this film to be honest um and it it, it did it was a pleasant surprise for me yeah not unlike um the the Soderbergh franchise if we can call it that magic (laughs) magic mike i mean these are movies about people taking their clothes off in front of paying customers that are not just about that clearly i mean hustlers has ambitions way beyond that station in terms of commenting on the financial crash but also on the ways in which people had to literally hustle um to find a way to continue in something like with something like normality following what happened in 2008 and i think that 
to to a decent degree, it does quite a good job of wrapping that up in this confection of a sort of um, mass popular sort of movie that a lot of people are going to go to for just a good time at the movies you know there's stuff going on under the bonnet that you might not realize when when you walk into this thing and see you know j-lo gyrating on a pole uh, having said that yeah i i don't i like the movie a lot um however i guess i'm not as gung-ho as some reviewers in saying like oh isn't this a fantastic story of female empowerment when i feel that the 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 sort of um mantra of dinner ladies as a child comes to mind which is like two wrongs don't make a right like mm. what we've got in the movie is essentially people who are treated badly and um things are taken from them above what should be taken reacting to that by taking what sh- uh, like more than should be taken from the people who have acted badly towards them we've got what is a microcosm of the society in which we live which is maybe to the film's credit that it's just you know holding a mirror up to the society that we live in but that doesn't necessarily make me walk out of this thing feeling particularly good about any of it no Um, i i I agree with you to be honest i didn't i didn't come out of it feeling that these women were heroes or role models or like and i I didn't come out of it feeling that to be honest and i think at times again like and i think it's the, the, the final the final shot of like the four of them dancing um like happily dancing away i'm just like what are you trying to say with this shot i don't i don't really get this and that's where I found the thing a little bit on the nose at times I think it was almost trying too hard to be an empowering feminist movie and and not always succeeding because I think it tried too hard in places and I think the as I said I think a lot of it was was quite on the nose and for me a lot of it was too obviously trying to put that message across and yeah I'm I'm totally with I'm totally with you on that it's just that ultimately as you say two wrongs don't make a right and are we really now defending these women for going around and, and taking all these money from these guys like ultimately if it's wrong for the guys to treat women that way surely it's wrong for the women to treat the guys that way as well like so yeah i'm, I'm yeah kind of with you on that to be honest it's yeah film, although wrong, i suppose but. i suppose ca- counterpoint to my own point is that like we've had decades and decades of sort of gangster movies that have had people enraptured which are basically about shitty people doing shitty things that we glorify then in, in celluloid so you know it's yeah. a bit rich to then to then kick back too hard against this thing i suppose and you mentioned uh, the scene at the end and i have to get in uh, something about a scene in the movie which is the scene in which jennifer lopez who we should point out is really really good in this movie yes she's really fantastic she is it's the best performance i've seen of hers for years and it's just it, it's not just the best performance of hers it's just a really good performance full stop yeah like, yeah i mean it's not only not with yeah that of course I, yeah I, I mentioned kind of flippantly like she looks amazing you, you know being a stripper at age 50 but also she's she gives this kind of hard bitten like um uh, really grounded performance as a human being that you believe and these are words that I wouldn't usually connect with the on-screen persona of Jennifer Lopez where she's been in so many projects where it just seems like difficult to buy into whatever character she's been mm. you know thrust into um, but yeah the scene that I want to mention is where uh, we have a shot behind Jennifer Lopez walking down the street just before the house of cards all collapses around these women and she's wearing sort of like bedazzled jean tight fitted jeans and a jacket a hoodie 
And uh, yeah, the camera stays behind her, stays behind her, and it's uh, soundtracked by the Lord track Royals. Mm. And then yeah. we have a load of uh, cuts which go over to um, the scenes that are taking place with the other women as they topple to the authorities, as they're taken down for the frauds that they've been committing. And it is just, for me, one of the best scenes of the year. I just thought it was brilliantly soundtracked, a perfect use of that piece of music, and just beautifully stitched together. Mm. And it was almost so good that it made me think some of the rest of the scenes in the movie were were a little bit of a lower standard yeah. than, than that one it was a real a real standout so yeah th- there's a lot to appreciate about the movie also um a, a person i didn't mention i think in the beginning lily reinhardt which my wife reliably informs me is uh from, from maybe riverdale, riverdale which is yeah. a show I, yeah. I know nothing about she plays this kind of ditzy new recruit to the group who uh tends to be like various degrees of high and unreliable um who is supposed to help them um you know liberate men from their money but is increasingly bad at doing so and i thought she was really good like she brought a sort of um levity and a sort of uh i don't know a a different rhythm maybe to the movie which otherwise was quite sort of you know you've got your your wide-eyed constance Wu and your sort of hard-bitten jennifer lopez and that all gets a bit samey i think after a while so yeah i thought she was good in this anything else to mention about hustlers man no, to be honest, no, I don't. I don't think. For the most part, it's it's a strong recommendation for me. As I said, I might, you know, you know me to pick holes in things. I, I will do it. That's kind of what we're here to do. But yeah, they don't. None of those things that I've mentioned spoil it for me. And it's yes, yes. So I would say probably my pleasant surprise of the summer so far. As I said, I did not expect anything from this. So um, yeah, no, well, well done to the well done to the team involved. <laughs> <laughs> we can't Speak. go out on that. No, we can't go out on that. No, Pete, help me out. <laughs> um, well, I I would only say that I, I am of the belief, having seen um, Crazy Rich Asians and this, that mm. Constance Wu is now established as just a massive star. I haven't seen Crazy Rich is... Asians yet, so I need to I do need to catch up with that one. I haven't got to it. Yeah, so. she, she's just such a, a kind of confident, self-assured screen presence that she's going to go from strength to strength, I think. And let's hope that Jennifer Lopez does more stuff like this. And I don't mean more stuff like this in terms of films about strippers. I mean more stuff like this in terms of real lived-in characters that have a believable backstory and that she... Because Jennifer Lopez, when she's acting this way, it hits a nerve where she seems more real than all of the kind of posturing that she does both on screen and in her, you know, Jenny from the block musical period. She used that to have, a, li- she used to have a little, now she has a lot. <laughs> now she has a lot, but she's yeah. still Jenny from the block. But the thing is, she's only Jenny from the block if you see in her the Jenny from the block stuff. And I feel like in this, you see Jenny from the block stuff in like a real way that yeah. you don't in any of the music or most of the films that have come out, like you said, for 20 years or something like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good performance, man. But well, by both of those actresses in particular. And um, yeah, like you, I was taken a bit by surprise by this. I sort of went in you know knowing that cardi b was going to be in a feature film and i was there for that but uh yeah like i said earlier she's in it what five minutes or yeah, something she's not that massive um, role, to be fair and yeah cardi and yeah b was I a mean, stripper and she's playing a stripper so it's a stretch <laughs> well yeah but i mean but i mean it's it's easy for us to laugh at, but like Cardi B was a, a stripper who was in, you know, from all accounts, a bit of a grimy situation has managed to build a way up to massive global superstar pulling in giant checks on the daily. So like, really, there's no one better to be no, that's true. like yeah, this. That's fair. It, yeah. and, and it's kind of um, merciful that they don't over push her 
into too many spoken scenes because you know with the best one in the world she's not an actress and she won't be an actress for a long time unless you know she devotes a lot more time to that so it's cool to have her here she's not in it too long that's probably a good thing um yeah talking about not being here too long and that probably being a good thing i guess we should wrap up the hustlers review but yeah i think basically pretty positive um feelings from both of us yeah no i do check it out yeah see definitely see it if you can it's um yeah it was great it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's pacey it's well shot uh, it looks great and Jennifer Lopez is fantastic in it so yeah check it out nice Paul the end of the show generally speaking is um, it, well involves the credit section do you have anything to pay credit to this week that pops to mind if if not something pre-planned and in, in front of you right now uh, I want to pay credit to the again and I said it earlier but I'm going to say it again I want to pay credit to the fantastic team of people that I work with on the weekend who, who we all put a film together and I'm very excited to see the end product so uh, yeah thank you to the team if you're listening you know who you are um, and much love Cool. Yeah, I'm going to keep it brief as well. I think because of what we've just been reviewing, I'll play, 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 pay credit to uh, Constance Wu, in particular to say, go watch Crazy Rich Asians. I don't mean just you, I mean people listening to this, because I think, again, like Hustlers, it's one of the kind of films that someone might see, read the synopsis and think like, why do I want to watch a film about a sort of dream marriage with uh, people living in sort of Singaporean new money? It might not sound like the most appealing prospect, but it's really, really good and it's kind of weirdly uplifting. I mean, it would not be nice to see Constance Wu do a movie that isn't necessarily about someone stepping into a world where she suddenly becomes flooded with wealth from all directions and then is a little bit conflicted about whether she feels good about that or not because that would stretch her I think to uh to you know increase her range as an actress but uh yeah Constance Wu is great in both this movie Hustlers that we reviewed this week and also Crazy Rich Asians so check that out check her out and check us out when we come back for next week's show in which as we said earlier we will be reviewing Ad Astra Paul's already seen it I will see it soon and then we'll decide whether we want to give any time to old uh to old Rambo and his Last Blood movie uh, yeah watch this space Paul social media and such where can people get in touch with the show uh, at Stranger Cinema on Twitter Stranger in the Cinema on Facebook and Instagram so yeah drop us a line let us know what you think if you can think of a better Jennifer Lawrence before Jen- Jennifer Lawrence Jennifer Lopez performance since Out of Sight then by all means let me know I'm listening um, all good uh, but aside from that it's goodbye from me I'll catch you next week see ya shut up and sit down